This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. There are a lot of things that make it difficult for people harmed by domestic abuse to leave a bad situation. One factor is stigma around domestic violence. Another part is logistical. Where do you go? And like so many other things, the pandemic made matters more complicated because people had to stay home. WBEZ reporter Maria Inez Amudio recently wrote a story about the unique challenges immigrant women face in getting out of violent situations. You can read that at WBEZ.org. Today, we will learn more about how the pandemic impacted immigrant women who are harmed by abuse. We're joined by Linda Tortolero the president and CEO of Mujeres Latinas en Acción, a nonprofit advocating for and empowering Latinas and their families. Hi, Linda. Hi, good morning. Also with us is Neha Gill, executive director of Apnagar, a human rights organization working to end gender violence. Welcome to Reset, Neha. Hi. I'll start with you. You lead an organization with a 24-hour crisis hotline. Have you been seeing a lot more calls and messages since the pandemic began? Um, I think it's been a little bit, um, it's fluctuated. I think in the beginning, the calls actually were a little bit lower Mm -hmm. um, because people were forced to stay in the home with people that were causing them harm. Um, So what we did is we added um, text and email options and the texts rose uh, significantly. So people were reaching out for support, but just in different ways. So certainly, yes, we have seen an increase in kind of the frequency and the severity of the domestic violence, but there was, uh, the pandemic did cause an issue in terms of people actually being able to reach out for help right away. And you said you saw a significant increase. How much was it going up? Um, I think the um, the statewide helpline has uh, better statistics, and I think it was a close to 200% increase in terms of the text um, um, options. Wow. But yeah. yeah, so we actually had a lot of, um, you know, people just, texting from, you know, inside a bathroom, things like that, just when they could very uh, quickly reach out for help. So they just weren't able to Mm -hmm. have long calls, you know, to really sort of talk about all of the issues that were happening. Um, And that's kind of what we had seen before, that people may leave the home, may call from workplace, may call from um, outside, um, but they weren't able to kind of get outside to make those calls. Neha, can you tell us a little bit more about Apnagar? Sure. Um, Optigar is a 30-year-old organization. We started out to serve the South Asian community, um, and since then we've expanded to serve um, all, all immigrant refugee communities. Uh, we're based in Uptown, primarily serving the north side and the northwest, north and northwest suburbs. But since 2019, we've also been serving um, the south side. In, in 20 different languages? Right. Yes. Yeah. Our uh, program participants are from more than 50 countries, actually, including the U.S. Um, and our staff, we usually have about 20 languages on staff. Yeah. Um, and we uh, certainly through our hotline and partnerships with other community based organizations, as well as uh, people who provide interpretation. And that's professionally. In- that's important. Neha. Can you explain to us why cultural competence truly matters, especially when it comes to domestic violence situations? Yeah, I think cultural competency is really, really important just because um, a lot of actually like the domestic violence, a lot of issues in terms of gender relations are sometimes attributed to culture, but it's really kind of a function of patriarchy. So there's a lot of similarities in the ways that people experience 
domestic violence and gender-based violence, but there's also a lot of very specific ways in which they experience that violence. And certainly in our case, and the work that uh, Muharis does and, and Linda does, um, there's also this issue of immigration, of migration, the trauma that's caused by that, and then kind of getting the support in um, in, in your language mm-hmm. by someone who understands your culture is um, is, is really important. Linda, let's let's bring you in here. I, I want to talk more about some of the specific ways that the pandemic made domestic violence situations worse for immigrant women. Neha mentioned earlier about, you know, folks having to make calls from the bathroom or send texts from the bathroom. Can you talk more about that? Sure. We also saw that uh, there were individuals who gravitated to texting because, again, they were looking for a safe space. I think the other thing um, that we we saw were, you know, the fact that we had to reopen. Um, when the when the shutdown um, happened, um, of course, we went virtual, but as soon as that was over, we opened our offices again in June. And that was critical because, again, we had to recognize that some of our survivors wanted to come to the office, receive physical services, because, again, trying to get away from the person that caused harm was the only way that they could receive the Mm -hmm. follow-up they needed and the care that they needed. So that's something that we saw. Now that the pandemic is still with us, but we're in a better place, we have seen more immigrant survivors coming through our doors and request to be in session in person. So that, to us, um, continues to be the case. Mm -hmm. I think the the thing that we have to think about, too, is, and, and Nehan mentioned this, is that there's a trauma of being a person who is a survivor. And then there's also, coupled with that, when this, the, the trauma of being a migrant, an immigrant to this country. Um, and COVID just heightened it greatly. Mm. The economic loss for frontline workers, many of who are made up by immigrants in our city and our metro area, is great. So the impact on these families, who many of whom are, um, rely on the person who causes harm for their income, was significant. So we also saw instances where the level of violence was more intense. And this is not something that only immigrant survivors experience. All survivors may have experienced this. But but I think when you have a population that overwhelmingly makes the majority of frontline essential workers um, who are serving our food, who are working in various industries and factories where you can't work from home, um, that was just made the, the severity of the situation even more great. And Linda, as I'm listening to you, I'm hearing the terms that you're using. You're saying survivor, right? Language here that we sure. use, it matters when it comes to talking about domestic violence. I, sure. I know specific terms like person who harms as opposed to abuser. Talk about that. So for us, I think one thing that is really important is to gravitate to survivor rather than victim because we really believe in the autonomy of the individual and the fact that something that has happened to a person, um, one, we must recognize it, but also that that doesn't define that person forever. Um, That someone um, who has survived harm in that way, they can lead on a path of healing and thrive in our community in a wonderful way um, and that we hope to help them reach that 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 point um, for we've also as a community or as a sector gravitated towards perpetrator to a person who has caused harm because again we recognize that many people who have caused harm have also experienced their own trauma in their lives mm-hmm. and we also want to acknowledge that those people need services too 
and that we as a society should do more to invest in making sure that they can receive um, services that can help them um, establish healthy relationships in the future, especially in instances where they have children. Neha, yesterday you were at a press conference that the Chicago Public Health Department held about expanded funding for mental health resources. How does that funding relate to the work that you're doing? Um, I think it relates in many ways. I talked a little bit earlier about the trauma that uh, the survivors that we serve experience. Um, And the survivors we serve are are from all age groups. So it's young people and it's adults, it's older adults. Um, And so it's really important to address that trauma and sort of the mental health ramifications of that trauma. But there also could be uh, other underlying mental health issues. So it's really important to have a holistic approach to providing services. So a lot of times people think about the importance of legal services, certainly the importance of housing, but mental health and even physical health, because um, some of the investment that the city is making is really about sort of overall health care, with obviously a focus around mental health. Um, all of that's really important. So it's really important at Upnagar for us to kind of really take a comprehensive approach to the support and services that we provide. Yeah. And so some of it we could do, um, you know, at our organization, but some of it we really need to do in partnership with other organizations. So mental health, behavioral health, certainly the physical health. Um, so we have a lot of partnerships with um, clinics and hospitals, um, and in terms of serving immigrant communities, it's really important to be working with like the federally qualified health centers. And um, the city is doing a lot of work to remove barriers to accessing that health care, whether it's based on sort of immigration status or ability to pay or insurance. Um, and so it's really important to kind of take this comprehensive approach and address the barriers that the survivors we serve face. Yeah. Briefly, Linda, what what resources would you like to see go to support immigrant women trying to leave violent situations? Economic resources. So Upnagar and Mujeres uh, both have uh, programs that uh, look to um, strengthening the the financial wellness of survivors. Mm -hmm. So whether it's through a workforce development program or an entrepreneurship program, we definitely need to see more investments in that because financial independence will allow many of our survivors to leave situations where they still continue to live with the person that has caused harm. Um, Secondly, it's emergency cash. We have been so fortunate to have received emergency cash assistance uh, grants through both public and private sectors, um, and we need to see more of that. Um, That cannot stop even when the pandemic is farther behind us, um, because that will continue to be a need. And I think the other thing we have to think about as well is just greater investment from both public and private sectors um, for culturally specific, um, immigrant specific, community specific programs like the ones that Apnagar and Mujeres have. That's Linda Tortolero of Mujeres Latinas en Acción and Neha Gill from Upnagar. Thank you both. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.